Blog Talk Radio. This is Creativity and Play. I'm Steve Delbert. And I'm Mary Alice Long. You can find us online and be notified of future shows at creativityandplay.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Creativity Play and download archived editions on iTunes. Our guest today on Creativity and Play is Mara Kaplan. Mara is a nationally recognized expert in play spaces and toys for children with and without disabilities. She's also the founder of Let Kids Play. Mara Kaplan, welcome to Creativity and Play. Thank you. I'm pleased to be here. Well, it's a topic that we talk a lot about, but it's always Diverse, of course, with our, our different guests bringing different experiences. We were just talking about the long experience you've had in this field. And I guess as we often ask, you know, a, a good starting question is, how do you define play and what is play to you as, as you approach this work and, and the way you bring your, your long experience to this topic? Um, I believe that play is inherent to children's lives and that every child should have the opportunity to have that un um that open ended play experiences um and we need to remove any barriers to that whether that is for a typically developing child uh and the barrier is uh location or uh income or whatever as well as removing barriers for children who have disabilities, who that may be how they approach the play, how others approach them in play. And it, it's, I think it's really important that every child gets to experience that without an adult uh, directing every aspect of what's going on, which is what happens a lot with kids with disabilities. And, and part of your own experience is, is a child with a disability Correct. Yes, exactly. That's how I got into this field. Um, uh, 21 years ago, I had a son with uh, developmental delays, and uh, I went and tried to go find a place to be and to play, and there wasn't any place. So I got together with a bunch of moms, and we built an indoor play space that was uh, inclusive and welcoming to all kids. And we were in that for about seven, eight years. Um, And then I went out uh, on my own and have become a consultant primarily around outdoor play spaces. Hmm. Well, Mara, so what what did the uh, indoor play space look like? Oh, it was playing in for seven or eight years. It was uh, it was an amazing place. It was filled with pretend play, um, as well as we had an art room. We had uh, just open space for some gross motor play, um, and there was a sensory room. So, for if kids got overwhelmed, there was a place to go to decompress. Um, It was. A very special environment. Every aspect from the colors of the walls to the type of surfacing that we used for flooring was uh, considered in terms of how children uh, would react and be able to engage in the facility. 
Mhm. And how is the now you now you play more outdoors or you help create plan and implement outdoor play spaces. So how does how is that feeling different to you now or what would you like to say about that? Um in some ways you can do more inside because you can do art and you can um there are lo- more loose parts available than there are in an outdoor play environment unless it's at a school or a daycare center um it's hard to do loose parts um like scarves or hats or things like that just out in your public park um but outdoor play environments are less expensive and therefore more accessible um, for most people because you, A, you don't have to pay to get in because there's not that high overhead of having to heat um, an indoor space versus an outdoor space that we take it as it is. So I find that we can provide more access to play when we work on outdoor places. Mm. But you're still, well, are you building a playground, or what does outdoor play space look like? Um, It can be a playground, and it often is a playground, but I like to think about them as spaces because it doesn't stop at the playground. You know, there can be open area space outside. How does that playground interact in your whole Um, park? How does it integrate into your neighborhood? How does it integrate into the simple things of, is it on a bus line? Is is there accessible parking nearby? How do our sidewalks work to engage uh, children um, and allow them the freedom to feel comfortable to engage in play and to disengage in play? Um, So, Often when we say playground, we envision the slides and the swings, and I like to look at that whole space that goes around that. Yes, and did you you happen to hear our interview with Adam, who does, Adam White, who does these phantasmo plays, he helps create these phantasmo play spaces. Did you happen to catch that interview? I did not. I missed that one. Well, I... I'd suggest you check him out because he'd love to hear about you all connect you to it. Okay, that sounds wonderful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Steve. Uh, you were telling us at the uh, before we went on also that um, sometimes you help families think about how to uh, look for different types of toys. And, and I know on your website it talks about um, also helping retailers um, and I'm wondering, you know, if there's an intersection there in terms of uh, – you know, how retailers also can help sort of reposition the way they they present toys and play-related things to families and, and kids. Um, is that connected in your own work? And if not, can you say a little bit about, uh, um, about what you're doing with families as well as what it means to help retailers think about this differently? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, often when families are raising a child with disabilities, they are very involved with therapy and so you know they have physical therapy and they have speech therapy and uh you know occupational therapy and maybe vision therapy i mean it can go on and on and on and what parents do is they watch what their kid might be successful at during therapy and then they want that toy because anytime you have success you're like it's a success it's moving forward it's so exciting and so they want to replicate Mm. that experience 
And there's two issues with that. One is sometimes we need to let kids play and not work. And I and I know that play is a child's work, but in a therapy session, they're working. They're trying to reach a goal. So sometimes if we can take that toy or whatever that they're doing when working in therapy and move it over into a play environment where they're just exploring it and playing with it as it is, that's great. But are there maybe similar toys that they won't see in that same way that they can play? And all, the second thing is that therapists tend to use expensive specific special needs toys and how can we look at what's on the retailer shelf and say this is a comparable enough product that you can um, get that instead so instead of spending a hundred dollars you're spending thirty dollars I also like to look at those open-ended toys so thinking of games, so we want our whole family to play a game together, but we've got people who have different abilities and different thought processes, whether that's the adult and a typically developing child or an adult and a child with special needs and their typically developing sibling. So what are those games that have more open-endedness and you can sort of bend the rules or make up rules so that everybody ends up playing at their own level? So it's looking at things like that, um, looking at blocks that may go together easily but also can create very complex structures so that the whole family is engaged. Because why do I want to buy one set of toys for one kid and one set of toys for another when they're so expensive to begin with? And that's what I like to work with retailers at as well, is what are those educational toys they can put on their shelves? How can they um, talk with a, a customer to say, here's how you can look at it. Here's how you can position toys on your website so that they are um, seen as toys for everybody. Across ages, across abilities. Mara, what, you know, uh, one of the words that, that has come up is inclusive. So what does that mean? What do you think that means, inclusivity or being inclusive? Well, we talk for all about, abilities. you know, we talk a lot about two words. We talk about a place being accessible and a place being inclusive. And to me, accessible means I can get there. Um, it's about access. I can get my child's wheelchair there. But it doesn't have anything to do with actually being able to necessarily engage in the play. So in an inclusive environment, we are looking for not only access, so accessible is part of being inclusive, but then there's the piece of I'm able to engage in the play and I've created an environment where my peers, my typically developing peers, want to play and have the ability to play with me at their level while I'm playing at my level. It doesn't do any good to create this really cool space that ends up pushing my son over to the right-hand side of the playground and my daughter to the left-hand side of the playground. I want them all playing 
in the same place so that child with a disability is as much in the middle of the play as the typically developing child. And what does that, you're in Pittsburgh, what does that look like in Pittsburgh and what does that look like in other areas? Unfortunately, in Pittsburgh, it's still not looking great. We don't have a great many um, uh, inclusive play spaces here. We have some accessible ones, um, but there are some great ones across uh, the country. And what we're looking at is a variety of things. One is we're looking at multiple levels of challenge. We're looking at things that are very simple to things that are very complex in terms of motor planning and the ability to sort of think how you're going to take your next step. Something very simple, something very difficult. But again, the next step of that is not to say we're putting all the level one easy stuff on one side of the playground and all the hard level three stuff on the other. The idea is to take the type of play, so take spinning on a playground, and you want to put all your full range of challenge all together so that every child is in that one pod spinning. And in the next pod, again, there's that full range of challenge around climbing and sliding, and everyone is able to do that. Um, One of the most interesting trends in playground manufacturer right now is to make um, pieces as well as whole playgrounds, less prescriptive. We think of playgrounds as you climb up the climber and you go down the slide. There's sort of one way to do it and one way to get down. And they're beginning to create pieces that there's no right or wrong answer of how you act how you enter it or how you exit it and how you play on it and the pretend play increases and the brainstorming and problem solving of how we make games on these pieces increase. And that really increases inclusivity because there's not a right or wrong way to do it. So a child with cerebral palsy who may access it in a different way than a child uh, who's three years older and typically developing. They're all playing together, and the games they create then support one another. And that's a really wonderful trend. Um, We're getting away from the whole concept of ramps and uh, thinking about how kids really are engaging in the playground. Mara, could you take that, what you just said, and for our more visual listeners – Uh, go a step further and maybe give us a bit of a more picture of what you're talking about. Sure, absolutely. One playground that you can think of that looks Um, like that. There's um, a new piece of equipment from Playworld System um, that's called Rushmore. And Rushmore is – it was taken from the idea of how we play on hills, that you can roll down and you can run up. And so what it is is – If you can think of it looking sort of like a tent, except that the sides are rubber strips. And so you can play underneath, so it's a quiet, fun place to be underneath. You can run up these rubber strips. You can roll down these rubber strips. You can stand on them and have kids try to bounce each other off. You can balance at the top of it. Um, You can jump off the top of it. So there is just tons of ways to engage and uh, when Playworld Systems did their um, 
play test when they were first building it, they were just amazed at the, you know, different ways kids, you know, the designers said, well, this is how the kids are going to play on it. And the kids just played on it in 15,000 different ways, of course. Great. Thank you. Well, sort of along those lines of uh, kids uh, kind of bringing their own ideas and adapting uh, un- unintended uh, ways to play and <sighs> things that, uh, that adults create, I- I've been wondering as you've been describing some of these things, if, if your own son has had insights and ideas as he's gotten older and, and, and you've been involved in this work for so long and, and obviously, like you said earlier, inspired by, by some of his own um, needs and is it something that he's paid attention to and thought about and shared with you about ideas um, about not, and how this not my son he is he is very uh involved as we say in the disability world and he has a he's 21 years old now and he has a cognitive of a 6 month old so okay. it's it's by observing him and observing the uh, but my daughter who is 18 and so has grown up in a world where she has interacted a lot with people with disabilities because of my job and because of her brother, um, she often comes to me and says, you know, I saw this happening. Um, you know, this wasn't, you know, I saw this bullying and it didn't need to happen or I didn't like this aspect of a playground. And, um, you know, anytime you can get, Feedback from uh, kids, I think it's it's really valuable. She's not so much a kid anymore, but she was for a lot of years. Yes, and and how about your own sense of play? How has it evolved as you've engaged for I twenty plus years? I think that I I pay attention to my own play a lot more when uh, when I get grumpy and I step back and say, well, you didn't. You haven't played at all. All you've done is sat in your chair and designed playgrounds, although I love sitting in my chair and designing playgrounds. But it's not getting up and uh, cooking something, which is some, a way I consider of, of my own play, or going and exercising or, you know, those types of things. That And so I try to, you know, keep a balance. Uh, I have to admit that sometimes I'm much better at uh Telling people what to do than I am in implementing my my own, but I am uh, much more conscious of it than I think I would be if I was in a different uh, environment. We certainly, in our culture, we talk a lot about uh, disease and disability, so that just comes into play here. And I wondered because. Um, I know in my own community and the communities I've lived in over the last, say, 20 years, I haven't seen a lot of inclusive play, and um, and I certainly want to. And I've seen, you know, in my play-based work, some pretty fantastic um, playgrounds and outdoor play spaces. Um, that and there's so, there's more that can be done. So I wondered. Um, Mara, in your travels and in your work over the 21 years, um, what what have you, I guess, uh, I'll say, tripped across in terms of that those words, disability, disease, 
um, people's uh, parents' attitudes as they become parents and um, are learning about what um, abilities mean in their families, lack of ability, the abilities of their children, their own abilities as parents, all these kind of things. What, what have you learned about kind of that big area of disability and what that means to us and what we can what we can play how we can play with those words and and create um a different kind of world for our yeah. kids. I mean I do think that words um mean a lot. Um you know it's it's very hurtful when people use the word retard in uh in this day and age and looking at uh, words can be, you know, and symbols. You know, the idea of showing a person, you know, the symbol, the handicap signal, which we don't even like to use the word handicap anymore, but that symbol, when you show it as sort of this upright, you know, circle and um, right angle versus showing it looking like it's an active movement. What a difference of showing, you know, we're moving and we're growing than showing it as this stable thing. Um, mm-hmm. I hate when people say that somebody is bound to their wheelchair. Um, my child isn't bound to his wheelchair. He sits in all sorts of environments. His wheelchair gives him freedom to go and be other places. Um, wheelchairs are freedom. They're not, you know, things that hold people back. When parents first enter this world of raising a child with a disability, um, it can be devastating. Um, and I don't think we're ever going to get away from the word disability, but I think what we all have to look at is that everybody has some sort of disabilities um, and everybody has strengths and everybody brings something to the table. Um, When I think of the impact my son has made in the world of inclusive play, even though he has never said a single word, um, he has such great strengths and that he brings to the table because uh, he demonstrates what has the power to be and what doesn't have the power to be. And and I imagine that that your son's abilities and his strengths have, and your acknowledgement of them, your learning about him over the years, mm-hmm. has helped you to learn about yourself. Oh, absolutely. Your I you know I think that parents and siblings uh, who are involved with raising a child with a disability uh, see the world and the possibilities in a little different way than other people do. There's always another way to try. There's another way to accomplish something um, because you just got to keep trying. Um, And so I uh, I think that you do see yourself as as in a very different way when you're a parent of a child with a disability. I think what you were just saying a moment ago about, you know, thinking about wheelchairs as freedom and and kind of that mindset, you know, as you say, that 
it seems sort of obvious, but like you said, it's it's often not the way we think about wheelchairs or, or other aspects of disability, and and uh, it just was making me think about you know the role of creativity to help sort of change mindsets and to get us to think differently and to, to you know to awaken a different way of looking at it. And um, I'm wondering how you, how do you help people do that? Whether it's whether it's a parks board, like we were saying earlier, when you work with them, or a, a retailer, or a group of parents, or a group of educators, you know, how do you how do you help bring that mindset to really change the way we currently well, think about things, sometimes not productively? Yeah, I mean, I think that play spaces and playgrounds and play environments are wonderful ways to teach children because. Kids just don't see those differences um, until we teach them to see those differences. Uh-huh. And so when you can create a great place for everyone to come play, some of that just happens. Um, we do need to train educators. We do need to train parents. Um, and um, I find um, in this day and age that videos and YouTubes show can really start to break uh, those stereotypes because I will show uh, a video of somebody doing stunt wheelchair things. So they do, they're out on a, a skateboard uh, track and they're flipping their wheelchairs and they're doing all sorts of other things and it's like, okay, is this what you really think by being bound in your wheelchair is, you know, what other environments can you think of? And let's talk about somebody who's on the autism spectrum who is a great success and um, or in, in a variety of different fields so that we don't think that autism is, you know, this horrible thing that has been placed on us. It's just a person who thinks differently than the majority of the people. And how can we help that child to maximize their potential in, in however they think, in, in unfortunately, in our world? Yeah. Mara, what are a, a couple um, suggestions you would make for our listeners to help so that they could educate themselves more about inclusivity and out, outdoor play spaces for all abilities. And There is a um, wonderful free reference out there that you can um, get on uh, accessibleplayground.net uh, you can download it from them, or you can download it from PlayWorldSystems.com. Uh, PlayWorldSystems uh, uh, paid for the development of it, but it is completely manufacturer neutral, and it gives you tons of ideas and suggestions from making any playground, whether it's your little pocket playground in your neighborhood, just a little bit more inclusive, or if you're creating a destination um, space of, you know, how you start from the very beginning and walk through all the different questions um, that you want to make your community um, really good. Accessibleplayground.net is Let Kids Play's um, big website, and it has a directory of 
uh, a thousand different inclusive playgrounds so you can get on and see pictures and read about different types of playgrounds because there's all sorts of different things, you know, from very simple things to just people adding an accessible swing seat to somebody contemplating their whole um, environment. So I encourage you to explore uh, those resources that are available to you um, for free um, and just get some more ideas of what it means. Um, there are both visible and invisible disabilities. So um, we need to attract both of those people. And, and we'll thank add you. those to, to our site as well so people can find those uh, resources Great, that you. you just mentioned. So, Mara, thank you uh, very much for joining us on Creativity and Play. It was my pleasure. Um, Mara Kaplan is a nationally recognized play and play spaces expert and is founder of Let let kids play. Our theme music is Kindergarten, composed and performed by Jonathan Batiste. And you can listen to this show and previous shows again and find more information about our guests. Sign up to be notified about coming shows at creativityandplay.com. And find Creativity and Play on Twitter, Facebook, and iTunes as well. Creativity and Play is a production of the International Center for Creativity and Imagination in partnership with the National Creativity Network. I'm Steve Dalberg. And I'm Mary Ellis Long. Thank you, Mara. You are an inspiration to all of us. Thank you so much.